you know, I, I couldn't help myself looking at the stage with full of kids, just thinking about how it's going to be at VBS. But I have a dream. I have a dream that this stage will be full of kids Amen. on a consistent basis. Amen. I'm going to share this dream with you later on. No, I'm not going to share that right now. Because I believe that there are some things that we need to have it be Lord-led. And I know and I believe that in this dream that I have for this church, it involves kids. And it involves young people. And it involves you too, who are young at heart. Uh, and who have been where these kids have been. So I ask you, as you go home, no, we're not ending church right now. But as you go home, as you pray in your own personal devotions, I'm going to ask that you specifically ask for this. Guide Pastor Art's dream. Now, it's not my dream. I'm saying it's the reference, but it's the dream I believe God has placed in my heart for this church. More to come. I promise you that. More to come. So this morning I want to talk to you, continue to, to, to expand um, about King Josiah. And you will find his story in the book of 2 of Kings, and you will also find his story in the book of 2 Chronicles. And I'd like to invite you to open your, your Bibles with me to uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Now, out of curiosity, how, did you guys know that the Bible is not written in chronological order? How many of you kind of figured out the, the hard way? You're going through this, oh, wait a minute. Why is, why is this Old Testament prophet way in the back of the Old Testament when he should be up front? Or, or how many of you have, have realized that when you start to read some of the minor prophets, that we call it, that you're like, wait a minute, I've seen this name before, way at the beginning of the Bible, right? So, fun fact, here's a little quiz. How many... Old Testament prophets were alive or lived at the same time Josiah lived. Can any of you think of one? I'll give you a clue. There are three. Nicholas. No. Close, but no. Jeremiah is one of them. Okay? Jeremiah... Uh, is one of them. Can, Ezra is the second. Uh, nope, it's not Ezra, sorry. Not Ze and not Ezekiel either. It's Z it, it is Zehemiah, excuse me, Zehemiah. It is uh, Zephaniah and Nahum. So Jeremiah... Zephaniah and Nahum. These are books in the Old Testament. So if you open your Bible and you go to the Minor Prophets, those are the small little books, prophetic books in the Old Testament. 
these gentlemen, now Jeremiah is also known as the weeping prophet, right? He's known for always lamenting. And one of his lamentations comes right during the reign of King Josiah. Now, all of this is just fun facts. But it's interesting when you start to piece the Bible together, you begin to understand the context for which these gentlemen, these prophets were speaking when Josiah was was the king. Now, some of them overlap. We're going we're gonna to look into the life of, of Josiah right now and, and just kind of broad stroke and, and, and paint with broad strokes and highlight the, the, the main points of his life and how that is pertinent to us. Some of you, now, I don't, it, it, this is not a shame, shaming question, but how many of you have never read about King Josiah before? And it's okay if you have not. And, and good, thank you. Um, and some of you may have read this such a long time ago that you're like, man, oh yeah, King Josiah. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm glad the kids kind of talked about it because I didn't remember who he was, right? So King Josiah was, became king when he was eight years old. So let's go. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 34, we're going to quickly go into verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. I remember as an eight-year-old kid, I, was, I could not think of the idea or fathom the possibility of being in charge. As an eight-year-old kid, all I, all I could think about was playing soccer, climbing trees, flying kites, Yes, there were no cell phones back then. Um, hanging out with my friends. And if somebody were to say, hey, you're the king now, man, that's frightening. It's like my son, Victor, who just turned nine recently, it's like, hey, you want to be king? No. Is this scary? The idea of it, being scared, being in charge, right? And so what happened was somebody in this case who was a child, normally he would have regents. He would have people who would be advising him and help him make these decisions. But the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of detail of what happens in that interim when he, when he would be, had become king. So let's continue. Verse 2. And it says, And... He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And he walked in the ways of his father David, and he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. 4, verse 3. For in the 18th year of his reign, while he was still young. Now I have the word 16, excuse me, the number 16 there. Can you see it? Barely. Note to self, do not use red. But he was 16 years old. In the eighth year of his reign, that's how we, we come up to that number, right? When he was 16 years old, he began to seek the God of his father David. Pause. For those of us that have been there, done that. If you could tell your 16-year-old self, what would you tell him? Oh, 
right? Your parents are right, right? So if, think about the time when you were 16. Most of us, if not all of us, seeking a deep connection and a relationship with God was not on the top of our priority list. Let's be honest. If you were one of them, God bless you. But the reality is is that most 16-year-olds are not in this field. They do not fall under this category that they are earnestly seeking a deep relationship with God. And the Bible tells us that he began to seek God. It doesn't talk about his journey. It doesn't tell him, the Bible doesn't tell us what he did, but he begins to seek. And so this is a great reminder for us as, as parents, as adults, when we think about our journey, when we think about the road that we have had, things very seldomly, if ever, happen overnight. Especially when it comes to our spiritual walk with God. Things don't happen the way we want it, how we want it, when we want it, in the way we want it, we expect it. God has always has had a plan for us to have a deeper relationship with God. However, check this out. Look what happens next. Oh, man. For in the eighth year, this is, he was 16, right? While he was still young, he began to seek the Lord with his father David. One of the things that he did is that he discovered the laws of God. And this happens here. And in the 12th year, how old was he now? How, how long did it take between when he first started to seek God that he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem? How long? Four years. Four years it took him to be able to distinguish between what was correct and what was, what was not. He was 16 when he started this journey. Now he's 20, and he begins to identify in this process of his spiritual walk with God areas in his life and in the life of his people that were not in congruence, that were not aligned with the purposes and the desires that God had for his people. It took him four years to begin to say, okay, enough is enough. We need to go back to what we were taught. Now, what is interesting is that when he understood the plan of God, he began to see that it was very simple. God expected simple things from his people. The simple things were to honor your father and your, and, and your mother. Don't kill, steal, cheat, lie, bear false witnesses, covet. Remember the seventh day to keep it holy. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. That is only part of that because he also discovered that there were some things that we could do to help us in our personal relationship with God. 
Ellen White wrote this in the manuscript releases, not in the book, and I thought it fitting. And it says, the laws of Christ's kingdom are so simple, so compact, and yet so complete that any man-made additions will create confusion. See, when God gave us that set of guidelines, and when God gave Israel a set of guidelines, let me ask you this. Was it complex? Was it hard? Was it easy to understand? See, God's laws are simple. What he expects of us and what he reveals to us are simple. We just get in the way. We are the ones who say, oh no, but we, we start setting up ideas and expectations of what we expect others to do and be as well that we end up confusing ourselves and each other. But when we look at laws that God has established and Christ has put for his kingdom, it's simple. Very clear. It is not difficult to understand at all. Now check this out. She doesn't end here. She says, and the more simple our plans or work in God's service, the more we shall accomplish. In our own personal relationship with God, if we begin to try to add to that to what he has called us to do or add to that to what his laws are, it's, it's going to take us to the other side. But here's how we can understand clearly. By studying how they can adopt the plans of the worldly policy in their work for God, men disarrange God's plans of humility and simplicity, which he desires shall be followed in advancing his kingdom. As King, King Josiah saw that the laws that God had established were not being followed. What was happening? People started to create their own ideas of what the right things were. They began to, to set these idols in the place where they actually used to worship God. They, used, they changed the format of worship to that to what they believed was the correct approach to God. And adding elements, which I'm not going to get into here because of the audience, that were so far to the opposite extreme of what God had originally intended, that the only solution was to kill those false prophets. And that's what happened. You can read the story for yourself. But it wasn't until... He was 26 in the 18th year of his reign when he had purged the land and the temple. So how long was it? He started at 16. He became 20. That's when he, start, he started the purge. How long did it take for him to clear the entire kingdom of all these false idols and worship settings? Six years. 
How long have you been struggling with something in your life that has gotten in the way of your worship with God? Months? Years? And as you look at that, you've, you, you thought to yourself, this ain't working. I've been trying this for such a long time that it's not working. But notice, in, 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 in the life of Josiah, he began the journey at 16 years of age. And as he got deeper into that relationship with God, he, God started to point out certain things that were messed up. And in that process, God says, listen, you got to do something. Not just for yourself, but also for the people. And it took him 10 years. 10 years. Whatever it is that you may be struggling with, that's getting in the way of your personal relationship with God, and you've been trying to deal with it, and you've been trying to right the ship, so to speak, don't give up. Do not give up. Because God is, is, is working in you and he's working on those around you. He's working on those that need, are, are close to you to help you. And he's working, more importantly, in your heart to identify the areas in your life in which you need change. But there comes, it comes with a warning. Do not neglect God's laws. It says, when he had purged all the land, Hilkiah, the high priest, found the book of the law and the law of the Lord given by Moses. Man, what happens after this is phenomenal. After he reads this, so Hilkiah comes, you know, the entire time, about 300 years has gone by since David to Josiah. 300 years, the temple had been trashed. For 300 years, there, there was a, a detour from what God originally expected his people to, the journey to be on, to where they eventually took themselves to. And so here comes the high priest and says, hey, Josiah, look what I found. Actually, it wasn't to Josiah, it was, it was to his, his, uh, his scribe. And he takes it and, he, and the scribe reads it. And then he takes the book, and, and the reason why he goes to Hil Hilkiah is because Josiah had asked for the temple to be rebuilt. And so before there was a spiritual awakening in Jerusalem, Josiah paved the way for that to happen by ordering the temple to be rebuilt. And so he tells his scribe to go to Hilkiah, the high priest, and says, hey, take the money, take the treasures out of the storehouse, which was in the temple, and pay the, the construction workers, and don't worry about getting a receipt. It doesn't really say that. But it does say, do not take it into account. In other words, don't account for it. Don't take it into a receipt. Because these are good men. These are honest men. And so his scribe goes back to, to, to Josiah and tells him what happened and gives the report that, hey, we found everything's taken care of. The construction is going really good. It's on time. And, and he says, by the way, 
Here's what we found. We found the law that was given by God through Moses. And Josiah asks his scribe to read. And the moment that he begins to read, Josiah begins to think about everything that was happening prior to him going through that spiritual journey of revival. And he, and he tears his clothes in repentance. Not just for himself, but for his people. And he begins to pray for forgiveness. He goes to the pro- prophetess Huldah. And here's where the warning for us comes in. When she tells him that because of his repentance, God would give him mercy. Mercy in the context that he would not see the judgment that was coming upon the land during his lifetime. And it so happened. God did not visit the the people of Israel with judgment. The judgment that he promised way back to Moses, he says, if your people stray away from my commandments, I will destroy them. They will be bound into captivity. They will struggle. They will not be blessed. And Huldah tells him that same thing. She says, listen, God's going to delay his judgment because of your repentance, because of your desire to right the ship. But the consequences of their choices will come upon them after you're gone. Are there things in your own life that you need to purge? Are there things in your household? Are there things in your personal life? Are there things that God has asked you to do that is taking you away from that closer, more intimate relationship with God that is sending you on the path of the Israelites? Because there are consequences to our choices. There will always be consequences to our choices. And I'm not here to try to preach doom and gloom because that's not the point. The Bible says that God is merciful, he is long-suffering, he is patient, but he is just, and he is righteous. So how is it? How is it? If you have your Bibles with me, I want you to open to the book of Psalm. Chapter 119, verse 9. This is not on the screen. Psalm 119, verse 9, it says, How can a young man cleanse his way? How is it? We're all young. Okay? There is no distinction here between how much ex- life experience you have or not. We are all young in the eyes of God here. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. 
Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might sin not against you. Your word. Your word. God has given us his word, his commandments, in order for us not to sin, in the condition that we meditate on them day and night. You see, I know that we all struggle. We all have our own personal battles. We all have our own demons, if we can call it that. We all have the challenges of of daily living. We all have different dreams and ideas and aspirations. But when they are not aligned with God and His commandments, we run a serious risk of going astray. There's another verse in the Bible that says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I know that we have these lights here. But if, I were, if we were to shut the entire sanctuary down, you wouldn't be able to see me. But we do have a light. I do have a light that would shine the way for me in which to walk. And this verse is found in Psalms chapter 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. King Josiah, when he discovered God's word, when he was 16, began to take a spiritual account of his own life. And it wasn't until that journey that he began to process, it wasn't until much later that he saw how important it is to be faithful to God's calling of his people through his commandments, through his statutes, through his ordinances. And as a result of that, he established the Passover and it hadn't been celebrated in, in that way in 300 years. And you can read in all of this, if you go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 34 and chapter 35. Here's the interesting part. Verse 19 of chapter 35 says, In the 18th year of the reign of Josiah, this Passover was kept. In the 18th, He was 26. That's when the ship began to start going in the direction that God had planned. Again, I want to ask the question of you this morning. Are there things that need to be purged in your life, in your home? 
Are there things that are getting in the way of you developing that relationship with God to the point that God can see and look at you and say, you're in the right track? If there are things that are impeding, if there are things that are are causing you to stumble, I would invite you to take account of the things that are getting in the way. Address them. And if you have begun to address them and they're still there, continue the battle. Because Jesus has won the war. We need to fight our battles with the help of the Holy Spirit. We need to continue to move forward in faith. As Josiah did, he was able to avoid decades of judgment on his people. By you repenting, you will be able to avoid decades of hardships, of heartaches, of struggles. But you need to take that step. But don't don't get me wrong. There may still be consequences to the choices that you have made prior. But those consequences, God will get you through them. God is not going to leave you hanging. God is not going to be one that says, well, you messed up. You're on your own. He doesn't do that. Unfortunately, Josiah was killed in battle. So there is no happy ending. But what we do know is that there was no king like him ever. Why? Because he chose God. He chose to walk with the lamp unto his, uh, unto his feet and a light unto his, a light unto his path and the lamp unto his feet. Today, I want to encourage you to take up that lamp. If you haven't picked this up, if it's collecting dust in your house, open it. Start with the book of John. See, see why Jesus came. Allow yourself the latitude to recognize that you have faltered, but also to recognize that you have a Savior. He will get you through this. Steer the ship in the the path that God has planned for you. Some of the choices you will have to make are going to be difficult. It will be countercultural as it was for Josiah. It will be counter the customs that you have may have set up that you have built along years of habits, of bad habits. But it's never too late. May God bless you. May he give you the strength and the courage to walk in his path and obey his commandments.